0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 370 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi, Adam. How's it going? Good. How are you?
1: I'm good. Uh, We saw Lion King last night. Mm -hmm. It was really, really good. But if anyone's ever seen the Lion King, um, we saw like the Broadway, well, traveling Broadway version at Cleveland because we have awesome plays that come. Um, All of the like puppetry and outfits and are amazing but i had a nightmare last night about the hyenas yeah that's
0: fair
1: they're very creepy that's fair yeah yeah so it's very cool if it comes to your city but there are a ton of kids there's like the most kids i've ever seen well, it, sure. a show, which makes sense yeah but yeah um but yeah i am very very good um just recording this on a friday so happy to be getting out for the weekend um Today's episode is an interview I did with Julia Whalen, who you may not recognize her name, but if you listen to audiobooks, you're going to recognize her voice. Um, So she wrote a book called My Oxford Year, which we talk about, but in the episode, we talk all about her uh, basically life as a narrator and how she prepares for roles and what goes into doing different accents and what types of books she doesn't feel comfortable reading and um, all sorts of stuff. So she's literally done, she did Educated, she did all of like An Anonymous Girl, she did Gone Girl, she did um, Evie Drake Starts Over. Um, she does all of Taylor Jenkins Reed's books because they're like best friends. Sure, sure. So um, she is the narrator on Daisy Jones and the Six, which. So we got our, Daisy, got our Daisy Jones in. Um, I'm literally just like scrolling through Fates and Furies, Vox, uh, like the, the amount of books she has done. Um, all of the Brittany Caballero books, so Study in Charlotte, all those books, everything. Um, she's also a tea sommelier.
0: Really? Yeah. I was not aware that was a thing.
1: I wasn't aware it was a thing either, until so I looked it up on her website, and um, you can just train to become one online. So it's basically like a wine sommelier, but... For tea and so she we had a long huh. conversation about like different types of tea and stuff that I like and don't like and since then I've been obsessed with tea so she's very awesome I think you guys will really like this and it was really cool just to hear her breakdown and everything like she reads books multiple times before she does the narration and
0: I feel like you would have to
1: yeah and like all the notes she leaves for herself and I did I asked her after we got done recording what she thinks about people speeding up audiobooks yeah I'm not going to. Oh, I think we had this conversation. You and I had the conversation. I'm going to just leave it at she has feelings <laughs> on it. It was very funny what she
0: said. That's right. That's yeah. right.
1: Um, so I think you guys will like that. Uh, if people want to get a hold of us, Jill, how can they do that?
0: They can go to our website, professionalbooknerds.com. You can get all of our social links there. We are on Instagram and Twitter at probooknerds. You can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com.
1: Yes, you can. Uh, anything else you think people should know about? No, like campaigns or events going on right now. But-
0: yes. If you live in Cleveland. That's the one I was
1: (laughs) hoping that you would bring up because.
0: Let me just make sure that it's a big one. So I don't want to tell people and then be like, oh, just kidding. It's all sold out. Yeah. As of this week. Um, Let's see. So if you are one of our Cleveland people. Let me see.
2: And
1: By the way, while while she's looking for this, I'm just going to tell you, Jill got her hair done this week and it's fabulous it's pink it's bright pink and it's so awesome
0: yeah it's pink i got some pink hair happening you should
1: like put a selfie of yourself on our instagram or something just to I should. To see it I should really it's like, awesome look at my pink hair it's so good
0: so if you are in cleveland uh or can come to cleveland on october 11th adam and i will be at uh the Snow branch of Cuyahoga county public library interviewing jojo moyes jojo moyes, jojo moyes. <laughs> about her book the giver of stars let me tell you, we re- were sent advanced copies. I read it in like a weekend. It's a big book, but I read it in a weekend. It's so good.
1: It's really good.
0: Um, And yeah, she's coming to Cleveland October 11th, and we will be interviewing her on stage. Um, It is a ticketed event with a cost. It's $25, but you get a, a signed copy of the book with that. So, you know. Plus, your money goes to the library. I was Who gonna, doesn't love that? I was
1: going to say, we never talk about that part, but any of these ticketed events we go to, Jill and I don't get the, that. money goes all to the library. Oh, yeah. This is not our money. Yeah, we don't get no, this money. No,
0: no, no. We don't get this money.
1: Um, And on the local bookstore that Correct. Yeah. Max backs.
0: So, um, yeah. Go ahead. Sign up. Yeah. Come see us. Hang out. Come see out. us. I and feel th- like this one will sell out. It probably will. Yes. And earlier in that week, we're interviewing Elvis Duran. So, it's going to be a busy week. Pretty cool week. It's, good, it's a good week.
1: Also, to tie it all in full circle, do you want to know who's doing her audiobook? Julia Whalen, And I only know that because I am finishing up the book. And like Goodreads or someone on Twitter was like, if you were going to be living in the place of the book that you're currently reading, what would it be? And I said, I was like, I would be a female librarian on horsebacks. And Julia and I follow each other on Twitter. And she's like, I would also be that. (laughs) And I was like, are you doing the thing that you do for a living? She's like, I am. Yes. So.
0: So good. Yeah.
1: So I will also be listening to the audiobook when it comes out. Um, Yeah. So come see us. Anything else you can think of? I think that's everything. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoy this wonderful conversation with Julia Whalen on the Professional Book Nerds podcast. (laughs) Hey, everybody, it's Adam, and I am still hanging out here at the American Library Association Annual Conferences, and I'm very, very excited to be talking with Julia Whelan, whose voice you'll probably recognize in just a little bit because she has narrated over 300 audiobooks, including some of the ones that you have definitely heard, like, educated, and we were just talking about Linda Holmes' new book, Every Drake, because she narrated that as well. And she has her own book called My Oxford Year, which came out this year.
3: No, last year, April last year. 2018. April 2018.
1: Yeah. You're right. Okay, I'm so sorry. First uh, of okay. thank you for joining us today.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having
1: me. So I am excited to talk to someone because you're the first narrator to be on the podcast by yourself. Yes. Which we just talked about before we so started recording. <laughs> so I am a huge audiobook fan. That I, I never am in my car without them on, or walking the dogs, or running, or anything like that. So first, how did you get into doing audiobooks as a living? Sure. So
3: I got into audiobooks because um, total nepotism. My, one of my best friends in college, her <laughs> mom, happens to be an audiobook uh, producer and director. Uh-huh. And um, I had a background as an actor. I was right. a child actor. And so at, literally at my college graduation, she uh, came up to me and said, you know, you've got this English and creative writing degree and you have this acting background. Have you ever thought about narrating audiobooks? And I had never heard an audiobook. Uh I had no idea what it was. Um, But I, after going back to L.A. and doing on camera again, and then I just decided I wanted to try something else and I gave her a call and said, how do I do this? How does this work? And I submitted a demo and she cast me and at that time she gave me two YA titles and Mm -hmm. that's how it got started do you
1: remember those first YA titles I do
3: one was Peace, Love and Baby Ducks Uh and the uh, Lauren Miracle I think and then the
1: other one was um, Need by Carrie Jones Uh so can you maybe take us through the process like this is such a foreign concept for a lot of people they have no idea about like even like little things like how slowly you have to read and enunciate and things like that so what is the process like you like do you read a book several times before you narrate it i guess it's like
3: just start you from the beginning yeah absolutely okay so you got an email Uh
1: uh-huh okay and it's a producer and now what's an email
3: yeah (laughs) okay it's electronic mail go ahead yes yes um so i got an email from a producer Mm -hmm. saying either we're into we're casting this we want to check your availability or we um or we have a book for you Mm -hmm. if you can do it and um i at that point we schedule it when i'm gonna do it i take the book whatever draft it's in at that time Mm -hmm. and prep it and when i prep it i've got two things i'm looking for one is words that i don't know how to pronounce sure um especially if it's author invention like high fantasy a character with you know 15 vowels uh-huh. in the name, what do we, how do we say uh, this? Yeah. Um, and then I'm also keeping a character list with pertinent biographical information mm-hmm. um, and also any type of vocal cues that the author gives me along the way. Sure. Um, and at that point then I go back to the producer with questions if for the author if I have any. Um, and the actual recording process, I usually do, I try not to do more than two finished hours a day, which translates to about four hours actually in the booth. Um, But I've, there have been times I've had to do more, but I usually do about 80 pages a day. Okay. Um, And yeah, and then at that point it gets sent off to a, back to the publisher who Mm. then does a round of uh, editing, sends me back mistakes that I made that I have to correct. (laughs)
1: and then uh, that's how a bill becomes a law so on top of Capitol Hill yeah um, is there a uh, are there times with certain authors that you collaborate more with them on like you said the, the vocal cues is something that in a book most people are not having to worry about or think about but if there is like Accents or yes. things like that, and
3: so I think that becomes particularly important. I think the authors I've spent the most time with before I record are authors of um, fantasy mm-hmm. who have created a world that they are introducing to people. There's sure. not, it's not based in reality, so they will say things like their accent obviously makes the we know they're from this place. Yeah. I mean, what does that sound like? Right. So it's coordinating with them to you know say how are you imagining mm-hmm. these groups of. Beings, yeah, um, and yeah. So there is some give and take with a with an author, for
1: sure. What about and just to kind of think about this, like characters with wildly diverse backgrounds. Like, yeah. How do you feel as a narrator? Because I have talked to a lot of authors who say, you know, like the whole own voices thing as a yes. writer. Yes. How do you feel about like doing accents and things that? <sighs>
3: It, that's a, it's not, First of all, I think that um, that was that, I would have answered that probably very differently when I started 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it has changed, and there are a lot of books that if I could go back, I would not do. I think someone else should have done them. Yeah. But that was also the industry. It's a live-and-learn kind of industry. Mm-hmm. I think now, what I try to do, if an author has written in that an accent is important because mm-hmm. the character is not being understood by the other characters, yeah. or it is important to the plot, I will do my best to be true to it, but I try to give a light touch mm-hmm. whenever possible. Um, you certainly don't want to tip over into stereotype, right? Um, and it, that is just kind of the, the convention of this medium is mm-hmm. that we have to, It's one person, yeah. And unless you're going to do multicast mm-hmm. for every book, that's that's what we're up against. So, yeah. Do you have a, a preference delicate. between
1: multicast and by yourself? I think it totally depends on the book. Sure. Yeah. Have you, have you done multicast where you're in the room with people?
3: I have Skyped in. Yeah. Like,
1: I've done remote um, uh-huh.
3: recording when that's the case. I actually would like to do it. Yeah. I, I want to... I see my friends doing it. Mm-hmm. That looks like fun. Everyone gets to hang out. I well,
1: The one that stands out I feel like for everybody is uh, Lincoln and the Bardo yes that had were well, you a part I of I was a part of that essay, actually yeah. but you
3: know you go in and you do your three lines right yeah. exactly
1: and that's, that's what somebody told me as they said it was all separately done, yes. and then they they produced that. It all together. comes down
3: to Kelly Gilday, one of the producers of Penguin Random House, yeah. is just a genius, uh-huh. and she somehow kept track of all. I think 163 narrators. I believe that's accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's it, it is it's a feat. It was yeah. a, it was an achievement. She deserved every award she got for that. Award.
1: We uh, we interviewed George Saunders when that came out, and I was like, "What did you ha- like? How did what were your thoughts on?" it? He's like, "I had nothing to do with that." He's like, "I got excited because I knew Nick Offerman yeah. and Megan, and they wanted to be a part of." it and he's like and then it just snowballed from there and i had nothing to do with it i was like yeah i imagine that'd be like overwhelming to oh it's too much too
3: much
1: yeah um have you had authors come back with feedback of like your maybe not the like vocal stylings of a particular person like how you read something like the inflection and emotion that you put towards something like do you have authors that give you a lot of feedback on that
3: that's an interesting question i i don't certainly that hasn't come back to me whether they've come back to the producer maybe but then they don't, they don't let me know that um, no I mean we certain publishers require you to send a sample ahead of time yeah. you, most of the time and that's the other thing I guess to clarify in the recording process is usually I'm alone in my booth at home yeah. recording mm-hmm. um, in certain situations uh, I'm directed mm-hmm. I have someone else in the room but when it's just me yeah, by myself yeah, yeah, yeah. like some <laughs> publishers require you to send a 15 minute sample mm-hmm. or something so they can hear you know just make sure everybody's on the same page yeah. at this point though as i'm hardly a new narrator uh-huh. and like i'm going to sound a certain way yeah. and my pacing is going to be a certain way and it, i'm not going to throw a wrench in something suddenly
1: are you able to listen to other narr- to other audiobooks and like i with- don't
3: frankly don't have the time
1: that was that was going to be one of my questions i don't yeah. commute yeah like i'm going to listen from my bedroom to my office yeah i you know well, I was mainly just thinking like if you would be able to critically, like oh. without. Oh yeah,
3: I mean there's there there are audio. I really have enjoyed listening to the multicast pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, I there are certain narrators I, I love and I wish I had more time to listen to. Yeah, it's just not
1: just yeah. <laughs> so are you able to other than like the books that you are reading to prepare to narrate? Like, are you able to read? No. I, <laughs> I was just, I was reflecting
3: on this earlier. I think the last book I read electively was Over the Christmas Break in 2017.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. Do you remember what it was?
3: Well, I, yes, I do. Um, it was, and it, even that doesn't really count because I was, it's a friend, it was a friend's book. Uh-huh. It was one of Taylor Jenkins Reid's book. I think it was, it might have been Evelyn Hugo, actually. Yeah. Um, and so it doesn't, it just uh-huh. doesn't
1: count. You didn't have anything to do with the daisy jones i was audiobook. i was in oh, you, daisy you were okay I, i'm
3: the narrator of daisy oh, that's right. jones let's okay yeah. yes
1: that is no it's
3: amazing and that's down. what i mean i'm list- i'm in the process of listening to that right now when i
1: when i'm driving like to la
3: and around yeah hands down
1: the i think that's every time we did this thing where it being june's audiobook like, we asked uh, our followers on twitter like all right everybody other than daisy jones and the six <laughs> right. what's the best audiobook <laughs> you've listened to this year and like we got so many messages of people being like well, I was gonna say Daisy Jones. I'm like, yeah, I know who you are. No, it's amazing. To. It's so good. And
3: I, Taylor's a friend, and we were when she was writing the book. She had because I've done a few of her other books, yeah. and and uh, when she was writing the book, we were having lunch, and she was like, we need to talk about how we're gonna do audio. Yeah. For this. And I said, what do you mean? And she's like, there's
1: 23 carriers
3: uh-huh. in oral history, and I I just was like, well, you better get started now thinking about it because.
1: That I'm was so proud of the
3: way it came. Together. That
1: was. That's one of those books where, like, as an aspiring writer, it's almost like I just kind of was like, I think I should just give up because this is a different yes. language entirely. That's why I, I felt th- the
3: last book I remember reading for fun, and this was even longer ago, but Wolf Hall was yeah. the thing that made me do that. Where I was mm-hmm. like, Why are we? Why does anyone even write anymore?
1: Yeah, I, um, Strange the Dreamer by Lainey Taylor. Uh-oh. I got to. I interviewed her and. Uh, To her and Naomi Novik, like together with Rena Raza, we did this whole fairy tale thing. But I looked at her, I was like, "You, some people make you want to be a writer. Like she didn't even want to just give up. Yeah, Yeah. I was just like, well, this is, it's done for me. Agree. And
3: Taylor, I honestly, I do feel that way about Taylor's books. Like I've I've joked with her, I said, you know, it's just not summer unless I am on a plane crying over a Taylor Jenkins (laughs) Reeds book. Like (laughs) as I'm prepping it, and I'm just, you Mm -hmm. know, bursting into tears. It's amazing.
1: When it comes to kids books, it's hard to find new ones that are both educational and entertaining and so what ends up happening as a parent is you get stuck reading the same books over and over and over again. Thankfully, that's where Literati Book Club comes in and it's all about inspiring your kids to fall in love with reading.
0: Literati is a subscription book club that makes it easy to find unique and interesting books for your kids. In each box, Literati mails five teacher-approved books to your child every month. It's the book club that uh, book club subscription that teachers buy for their own kids. No more guessing or searching or reading the same books over and over.
1: It's so cool. So last time we talked about the sponsorship, uh, we were both mentioning how excited our respective nephew and niece were about you know seeing the books. And I mentioned that my niece, I sent her a picture of everything, and she was in Disney at the time and sent me this video about how excited she was when I got to give it to her this week she like squealed with excitement and the thing that she loved honestly the most like she loved all the books but the artwork that came with this particular box there were all these stickers that said property of and had her name on them and the ability for her to be able to see a thing that could like she could put this sticker on it had her own name not only was she giving the book getting a, a bunch of books but like she was so excited that she like in her mind owned something now it was just the most adorable thing.
0: I kind of want those stickers myself.
1: I know, exactly, right?
0: So for a limited time, listeners can get $20 off your first box. All you have to do is go to literatibooks.com and use the promo code PROBOOKNERDS. Plus, kids three and up get a special blacklight pen. This is the best offer available that they've ever offered. That's $20 off your first box. To get it, you have to go to literatibooks.com and use promo code Pro Book Nerds. Again, that's literatibooks.com. Promo code ProBooknerds. All
1: right. And now let's get back to our conversation with Julia Whalen. So when it comes to and I know obviously having a background in acting yeah. and once again and like people know you from if that, they know if they know me, they yeah.
3: know
1: yeah. Are you like obviously in acting you have to train yourself to control your emotions and use your emotions. Do you find it challenging to do that for audiobooks? Like, because there obviously are parts in audiobooks where you have to show emotion. You don't hear much crying in audiobooks too often, but, like, just the emotion of, like, and then being consistent with that emotion—is that something that? Is-
3: yeah, it's a, it, I think that was actually that's a really good point because I think the biggest adjustment that I had to make going from on camera to audio was the certain things you rely on in yeah. or on camera, being able to do something in a look, uh-huh. um, being able to yeah. being able to contradict, for instance, uh, the way that I would deliver a line that may be dry or sarcastic, but because I'm rolling my eyes while I'm yeah. doing it, everyone understands what I mean. Right. And I would listen back to books and say, "Ah, oh, that just didn't." it didn't land. Uh Like, if it's too dry, I don't know, you know, um, I don't think people are going to get the intent. And so that is a, that was an adjustment I had to make. And there are certain books that whether it's because they come along at a time where personally I'm going through something Mm -hmm. or they're just so well written and they're so moving, that I can't get through it without crying. I mean, I think... The last time that really happened um, was with The Great Alone. Yeah. Like the the spoiler alert. Yeah. The uh-huh. deathbed scene in The Great Alone. Uh-huh. I was I had to I was stopping recording like every ten seconds. Yeah. And just that took me
1: like three hours to do. I just along those same lines. I, I guess I'm really curious, and I know it's it's your job, so it's something that you know you do obviously to pay bills and everything. But are you able to? And don't name names, but I want to throw anyone under the bus. But are you able to like? get a pitch about a book or anything and read it like i imagine you would have to feel really strongly about a story to be able to spend this much time with it. so
3: that yeah i think at this point i mean look i'm very i'm very lucky in that i have more offers than i can possibly do i turn down about half of the books that are offered to me and it's really usually a scheduling thing Uh usually and sometimes it is just i just don't I don't connect with the synopsis. Yeah. Because when we get a book, it's not like I have time to read it. Yeah. Often there's not even a manuscript, so I'm just going on the synopsis. And if it's like, if I'm just, it's not my thing, I'm just yeah. not in that headspace, you know, it's better to go to someone who really wants to mm-hmm.
1: do it. For, I'm just thinking about how, like, usually, now at least, audiobooks tend to roll out the same time as the books do. I'm just thinking about all the advanced copies of books that we get with typos and things that change like that has to be
3: well that's why I can I have certain drafts I can prep but I can't record off of them because you would just be then the corrections that would be coming back would be a lot like I've got a book scheduled in August and I know I'm not going to have the recordable manuscript until a certain date and then I know that I have to deliver recording like 10 days after it's a really tight turnaround I'm already stressing about it because I'm like what if I get sick what if you know what if something happens like, yeah. Um, so,
1: yeah. Just lots of tea. I imagine you drink lots of tea. I do drink lots of tea. Yeah. I, do.
3: Just, I do. I do. Tea's my other hobby. That's my thing. I'm tea's a, my other. I'm, a, I'm a certified tea sommelier.
1: I want to talk about that. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> because I, I saw that and I was like, wait a minute. Okay. Yeah. Can we please. Expl-
3: I feel, first of all, I feel like I am around my tribe here. Like, yeah. we have been talking about this, that the, the Venn diagram of book people and tea people, 100%. we are we are at ground zero yeah. for that right
1: and, now. Yeah, and librarians. Like it's yeah, this it's whole, just... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so, tea sommelier. Yeah. People will probably recognize the word wine, wine and yeah. things like that, but how does one become a tea So, sommelier? there are actually
3: programs for okay. this. Yeah. Um... I I got into it when there was really only one option for, like, an online training. there thought you
1: were going to say one T-Sommelier. Like, there was only oh, one. yes. Like, no. Highlander.
3: I know, right. The last t uh-huh. Um No, I was, uh, I, the programs are, the, the difference between, like, going to Sri Lanka for two years and being properly trained for uh-huh. like doing it online, I totally did the online version, so I don't want to, like, oversell this, sure. but, it was, but it was it was about ten years ago, and since then, yeah. there are a couple of different companies mm-hmm. that have cropped up where you can just take classes and slowly cobble together the certification yeah. that you, quote-unquote, need, I mean, you know, you just drink, you drink tea and you learn tasting notes, and, okay. yeah, it's great.
1: Okay, so favorite style of tea, I like talking white green okay so
3: it totally depends on the time of day I usually start my day with a bowl of matcha Uh Um, and I do love like I you know Having been in England, a good strong
1: English breakfast tea or an afternoon a black tea is just see black. I can't do like for whatever reason. Earl Grey to me tastes like cardboard.
3: But that's not. I know, but I I understand. I know
1: there is a whole world of black tea. I'm not just. Why Earl Grey is so polarizing? I man, people, it's it is. I'm like as a I also enjoy tea, and I just. There's so many other good types of tea. Can I recommend? Yes. Not that you
3: need to learn I'm to love it, this. you really don't need to learn to love it. But there are a couple of blends um, that have like a cream overtone okay. that are softened. So it's okay. the bergamot essence of Earl Grey, but it's got like a French cream. Stain
1: I want to on talk it. about this for four days. This is so great.
3: <laughs> no, the, Start a new podcast. There was, I know, oh, seriously. There
1: was, um, I'm sure you're familiar with Tiavana, the, yeah, yeah. the store. Uh, when I was in college, one had just opened up by us, before Starbucks bought them, like, yeah, you know, was, like they do with everything. And uh, we would go, my now wife and I, she was my girlfriend at the time, and we're these college students and we had no concept of like how much money it would cost to get tea there it's a lot there we would spend like 90 and i'm like what just happened yes i don't like, even drunk yeah exactly for like <laughs> 10 ounces of tea and i'm like this is... and then of course i would put way too much because i didn't understand how to make it yeah so i put way too much
3: so that was really my focus my focus was what irritated me is that when i lived in england for a while and when i came back. I was so disappointed that no one can make tea in this country, whether you go into a restaurant and you yeah. order tea and they just give you hot water in a bag right and I, I really all I wanted to do really was to go into restaurants and teach people how to make tea yeah. how to make it properly at mm-hmm. the right temperature, how long you're supposed to steep certain teas for I uh, went I went deep into that yeah
1: because well, if you that's the thing like people will give you like this happens with ginger all, all the time people will give you like a tea that has ginger and then they just leave the bag in there i'm like if you leave something with yeah. ginger in there it's just going to prickle your st- yeah it's for gonna strip hours. your stomach lining yes yeah
3: it's a lot okay. it's a lot and i will often pair depending on the type of book i'm doing this is the level of nerdery. this
1: is incredible i will
3: if i'm recording a certain book yeah and i want to like it's almost a method sort of acting <laughs> trick but i will Brew a certain type of tea
1: for oh for God. the book. Yeah. Okay, so I, in addition to the, one of the reasons you don't have time to read or listen to audio yeah. is because you also wrote your own book. If we talked we did, about yes, so can you maybe give our listeners a little bit of an introduction to your book?
3: Sure. Okay, so the elevator pitch of my book is that it is about a young American Rhodes Scholar Mm -hmm. um, who goes to Oxford. She fulfills her lifelong dream to go to Oxford, Mm -hmm. and she's getting her master's in English Lit, Mm -hmm. and... She has a political job back in the states. She's working remotely for a presidential campaign, but she ends up falling for a young research fellow um, who has a secret. <laughs>
1: dun dun dun! Yeah. Um, and I know through your website, which has the best FAQ I have ever seen oh, of all time. Thank you. Um, That was me tweeting that at you. Uh, uh, so thank you. So you were nearly a Rhodes Scholar. I was.
3: Nit- I was I was a finalist. Yeah. I was a finalist. But see, the difference is, and this is what she... I fixed, I fixed my biography for that character because yeah. no one needs to go study George Eliot at Oxford on a road. They want people uh-huh. who are going to come back and change the world. Yeah. And when they ask me that question, which they're obligated to do in the interview, they will ask you, how will you fight the world's fight? Yeah. And, and I very, was just saying, good. I want to write books and read them and I believe we can change the world with empathy and that was like
1: okay well listen you're literally sitting in a booth if you walk we have stuff around here that says a world enlightened by reading so you can tell them there we go just suck it hey Rhodes committee yeah Yeah. take that Rhodes they're probably really worried about what you think of them and the other
3: two the people who actually got it because they give for each district it's it's intense there's 12 finalists in each district two people get it and they make you wait around in a room and they come out and tell you in real time who got it are you kidding me because in Cecil Rhodes Will in the codicil to the will, like how the scholarship is funded. He said, "They, ha- you have to teach the men to be men because at that time they were men. Of course. So suck it up and congratulate the other guy." And it's yeah, it's very,
1: it's extremely British.
3: It's it's, it's very
1: yes, up on on it, up up them, exactly. yeah. Stay the exactly. Oh my God! Okay, so how much of your, yourself, other than the Rhodes Scholar ness, do you think you put into your writing? Book? Um,
3: honestly, not not in the. <laughs> this is. It, it's funny. It's not my story. It was not my year at Oxford. I was a total nerd. I was working all the time uh-huh. when I was there. I had lovely friends, hmm. but I was I was really committed to being there for the work.
1: Yeah.
3: Um. So Ella has much more fun than I did, but I was. I think. That more in terms of getting off of this this track of constantly producing overachieving mm-hmm. being you know just doing everything for everyone else yeah. and really stopping and saying what are my dreams mm-hmm. now actually what now that I'm 24, 25 and not 12 anymore mm-hmm. have my dreams changed yeah. um, and that was kind of the question that I was that I wanted to set out to. I wanted to put that in the book yeah Okay. that's interesting
1: and uh, so, towards the end of our conversation here, we like to ask nine lighthearted questions it's called the Nerd Nines. I yeah, like okay. alliteration. Yeah, uh, nice. So, the first one is, what's the, this is gonna be funny, doesn't usually work well with narrators. What's the last book you finished reading?
3: Oh, okay. Well, um, I'm wondering if I can talk about what I actually finished reading. I think I can. Well, yeah. Okay, so the book that I just finished before I got on the plane uh-huh. um, is a new YA title that's by Brittany Cavallaro, who I went to college with, who's a good friend of mine. Seriously? And, and Emily Henry, who I had narrated uh, one of her, bo- her yeah. one of her first books, and so they co-wrote a book that's coming out uh, next month, I think. Do you do Brittany's books? I do Brittany's books, yeah. The Sherlock Holmes yeah, ones? Yeah,
1: I... Okay. Without knowing this, I think I have listened to your voice more than anyone. Oh. <laughs> I'm just like every book. I'm like, wait, Julia does that those one are too. that yeah. was oh yeah. really fun. Yeah. Okay, uh, what's your favorite place to read? Again, when you can. <laughs> oh my god.
3: Um, you know, I. I became an English major so that I could just read in bed.
1: Uh huh. So I That's read it in bed. Yeah. Do you remember the book that kind of made you fall in love with reading when you were a child? Yes,
3: absolutely. Uh, True Confessions of
1: Charlotte Doyle. Wow, you were waiting for that. Question. I was. I mean,
3: that is like, it, and I, I know Avi is. We we met in a. Really Weird circumstance a long time ago, Uh and he knows this. I, I've completely fangirled. I freaked out because that was the book that taught me to love history. That was the book that made me want to be a writer. That was the book that made me like set out on my adventure to to act. I mean, it was it was everything. That's amazing. Yeah.
1: Okay. uh, What's one place like travel that you have not yet been to?
3: Um. Okay. First thing that pops into my head is Iceland. I really the thing.
1: Randomly, Cleveland. So we have direct flights to Iceland. Re-
3: oh.
1: <laughs> relax, relax. I'll
3: go. I'll try Cleveland. Cleveland
1: has direct flights to Iceland. Is what I'm saying. That's so amazing. You so you come to Cleveland, hang now. out, we'll
3: go to Iceland. Okay. All right. thought okay. about to
1: dunk on my city real right quick. There. No, Sheesh. I know.
3: I, would, I was just like, it's not. It's it's not in my top five. That was not what I was. But doing. I would happily go. It's
1: fine. I would happily go. Subtle dig at my city. Yeah, it's no, fine. It's great. Uh, we already asked this. But coffee or tea?
3: I mean. Um, I will say the last few years writing that book, getting that out, I didn't drink tea- coffee until about three years ago, and now I need it. But you
1: can't say coffee. You're, no, you have tea. to tea. Of course yeah. it's tea. Do you have a favorite holiday to celebrate?
3: A favorite holiday, holiday. to celebrate? I mean, I'm that typical basic Halloween.
1: Halloween, that's fine. Yeah. Um, cats or dogs?
3: Um, I love dogs, but I don't want to have one, that's so funny. I would rather have a cat. Sure. Uh,
1: what's your favorite food? That's really broad.
3: People just answer that, just yeah.
1: like yeah. Oh, We're not so, usually yeah. that. Wait till you hear the next question. Oh, I'm just telling you. Okay,
3: so, I here. Let me just go with more of like a genre of food. Sure. I oh, I hunt yeah. down really good barbecue. Okay, That works. Yeah.
1: And then if you could have dinner with one person alive or dead, who would you pick? George Eliot. Oh yeah. Okay, that was easy enough. So you struggle with the food one? I did <laughs> because. <laughs> okay. Last question for you. <laughs> yes. What do you hope readers take away from reading your book?
3: From my book, yeah. Oh wow. Um, it's what I it's what I said earlier. Mm-hmm. I hope that you are living your life the way you want to be living it mm-hmm. at a, at that particular moment. And if that helps you remind yourself that you should be doing what you want to do because mm-hmm. our time here is very brief, yeah. Then that's that's done
1: my job. Yeah. Well, odds are because all of our listeners are also audiobook fans. Once they get done listening to this, they're probably going to turn your voice back on. So, (laughs) so, Julia, thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank
0: you.